On this episode, we talk about education technology, the love for connecting people and the experience of organizing a world tour. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tutor Notes podcast, a show about lifetime learning and passionate educators. My guest today is an edtech entrepreneur and explorer, Svenja Bjusson. Svenja grew up in a multicultural environment with an early passion for learning projects. She got her education in Germany and France, and while at HEC Business School in Paris, Svenja met Audre Jarre. And together, they organized a research tour around the world, visiting 10 countries to study the best and new pedagogical practices and education technology. We cover her story, views about the current and future state of education, and her next steps as an education entrepreneur at LearnSpace in Paris. Please consider subscribing on Apple and Google Play podcast and share this interview with those you think might get value out of Svenja's story. If you absolutely love the podcast, you can show your support on patreon.com slash tutornotes. Now, let's dive into the show. So my name is Svenja. Um, so I'm Franco-German, actually, and uh, I, I spent... Um, all my education years here in uh, in France, and then I, I went to to Germany, to Berlin, to to study, and um, then I came back and I met uh, I met at the business school here in France, uh, Audrey, um, and with Audrey we 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 really had a match. Uh, so she she and I uh, understood each other, and we had the same passion for education, and we really wanted to to discover. Um, what other countries were doing in in terms of um, innovative education? So we we built up this project, the EdTech World Tour. It took like a year to 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 gather the money and the partnerships necessary to to go, and um, and then we went on the tour for approximately six months, and we came back in April um, last year, and since then. We've been writing a lot about everything that we saw and we've uh, been giving some conferences and writing articles to really share everything that we saw and we really want to uh, to make it like available to uh, to everyone and not just uh, that it stays in our heads you know so so yeah and so we wrote a report that is uh, freely available online on edtechworldtour.com and um Cool. I will. Uh, if uh, during this interview you mention some sources like links or books, or I'll link everything in the show notes so people can access that. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. So, so from what you say, actually, it's it's a lot that I would love to dive deeper and and uncover. You know, uh, it's your passion for education, then the world tour, then the work after the tour that you do. So, talking about the, the passion for education. Was there a particular moment when you realized that that's it? I, I really want to do something in this field. And and if you could recall that moment or maybe a period of time. I, I don't know if there was a moment, but I think I've always loved transmitting things. You know, I, I loved... Um, 
um, you know, like learning with peers. And even when I was in school, I organized some learning sessions on, on Wednesday uh, evening. Um, and it was really something that I, that I loved, gather people and learn together and do it collaboratively. So I really... I don't really know when it came and I said, okay, I want to work and then do something in this field. It's just, it's, it follows me since, <laughs> since I think my birth and my, my mom is a teacher also, and I really admire her work and I think it, it plays a huge role also. Mm. So would you, would you say that you started out of love for education or also because a lot of debate now it's how bad it is and like frustration and we need to do something to change it so did you also have that energy like you know things suck around here and we need to do better or you purely started just for the joy of learning and then you uncovered all the problems in the in the process i think a bit of both and i and i and I discovered two systems. Um, so I, I knew the French system and a German one, and I already had some, you know, comparisons. And um, so I, I knew that the French system was uh, was doing uh, bad. But I, I, there are lots of things here that 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 we that we do great, and um, and yeah. But it was a bit of both because. Concretely, I really want to change things, um, and uh, I think the way it uh, it works in the public system is not the the right one. Then, and, and so it's really a mission that I have. So I think both, yeah. So uh, because you just mentioned it, can you say now what is that mission that you have related <laughs> to education? Yeah. So I choose to tackle um, like the the gap that we have uh, in France. Um, about education in terms of access, in terms of inequalities, and also in terms of, you know, like having a system that is deeply old school, you know, and mm -hmm. of course you have lots of innovators and, and I'm surrounded by them, but like I'm talking about the bottom of the pyramid uh, and it's hard to change the setting of schools. It's hard to change mentalities. And I really want to tackle that issue. So uh, I, I really think that interdisciplinarity uh, is something like key to, to innovation in, in, in education. So I don't have to, I don't uh, bring you anything because the CRI is really about that. But it's really about bringing together researchers, teachers, and entrepreneurs, and try to think of innovative solutions together to 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 do to these uh, issues. Um, so that's what I try to do with my new project, which is called Learn Space. It's really about bringing together people that don't usually talk with each other, but they have the same the same goal, you know, and they want to change education and I'm here to connect them. I really like this, you know, connector um, role. I think, um, I think it suits me. So I'm here to connect them and to help them work together and accelerate their projects. Cool. Uh, again, before we, we dive into your work, which is, uh, I'm sure, a lot of interesting things, I want to go again back to, to the moment when uh, you came to Paris to a business school and discovered the, the, the passion for education. So the, the mission that you mentioned now that you have, was it the same when you just started? Um, uh, for example, the tour and uh, the projects around or it evolved over time? 
Yeah, it evolved. It evolved. I think when I went to business school and when when I met Audrey, I wasn't aware of all those issues. Mm. And I just had the curiosity of wanting to to know what was happening, you know, behind our borders. And and I really was curious about how other countries innovate, you know, and, and what innovation in education, what education technology means, because we chose to, to speak about how ed tech could be like a, a leverage um, in education and how it could change things or not. So yeah, it was really mostly out of curiosity. And of course we, we did that in the education field because we had that passion, but it was really out of, um, out of curiosity. Yeah. So besides curiosity, the EdTech World Tour, did you have any other inspiration, any other examples of people who did something like this before, or you just totally pioneered and, you know, jumped into cold water? Mm. I know a great uh, man who did another tour, but not on education technology, on education innovation. Uh, his name is Graham Brown Martin, uh, and he did it with Wise. Um, um, and yeah, so it, it has been done before, but not uh, in the sphere of education technology, which is huge, and you have lots of things to discover. So, yeah. Cool. So take us through the process of how did you, you know, you said that it took kind of over a year, mm -hmm. the whole process. So how, how did you start? What was, what were the first steps mm -hmm. and how did you organize the whole thing? Yeah. So we started, um, with this idea and the first step was, okay, we, we need to find, uh, the right countries to go to, to, to choose the right countries. So we chose, um, 10 countries that, that seemed to us, uh, very innovative. So of course, France, because we, we came from, we were both French. So we, we really wanted to discover what was happening here. And then uh, in Europe, Germany and uh, and the UK, okay. we chose countries that were not uh, really. I mean that we we don't talk about that much. So we didn't want to go to Finland or to countries that everyone knows about. Okay, we know that uh, Finland is is really uh, is really innovative, but we wanted to go to countries that, you know, no one talks about. For example, you know, South Africa or New Zealand, countries that we don't really know about in terms of education technology. So we chose those different countries. And how did we choose it? We just, okay, looked at different stakeholders there, different people, and we said, okay, there there seems to be something interesting going on. Lots of things are, are, are being written about at tech there. So... Mm. There is something, the ecosystem is growing and there is something going on. And that, that's how we chose different countries, one per continent approximately. And, uh, and then we had to gather the money. We had to, to fundraise to, to, to go, um, on this tour because we had a, we had a budget, um, we had 30k budget. So it was, uh, yeah, we needed to find that money and uh, it was hard because we were no one. I mean, we came out of business school, nobody knew us and, you know, we didn't really have the legitimacy to to go on this tour and to do research in that field. But that's interesting. Who would 
have uh, legitimacy? <laughs> That's a good question. I know, but you have to, you know, to convince people to give you that amount of money, it's really about, okay, but how can I trust you? How can I know that you're going to produce something that is mm. valuable for me? And, you know, so it's, it, it was kind of complicated. So how, how did you frame value for those who are supposed to help? We, it was mostly content marketing. So we I wrote see. for people. Um, if people were interested in one market in particular, we said, okay, we can write your personalized report on that market. And so it was really mostly about writing and, uh, yeah. So, it was complicated, but at, um, once the first big partner came in, it was Pearson, uh, cool. we didn't have any problem to, to, to find the others. So it was really like a big help to us to have uh, Pearson as a partner. And then we find uh, the rest of the money pretty quickly. And yeah, and then we contacted all those people via LinkedIn, Twitter, and and yeah, said, okay, we're going to come in your country. We would love to meet you. Can you show us your school, your startup, your university? And uh, and people reacted really positively and said, okay, you're wow. welcome. It was really amazing. So yeah. Did, did you have like a rule, like we're going to spend minimum this amount of yes. days to really get the culture? Yes. And that was very important. Uh, we spent three weeks minimum per country so that we can really understand the system, the culture, how people were living. And it was really important to have all those different aspects of the mm -hmm. of education covered. Yeah. So did you feel like the, the motives behind education is different from country to country or they, they followed the same framework like we, we give people some skills so they can you know sustain themselves in the future i think the motives are like the same but the way it's organized the way the system is organized the way of teaching and learning is different and it's really linked to some cultural aspect and it's linked to the context and that's what that's what i'm repeating all the time it's that mm -hmm. education is really something local and you cannot like think of a global solution to 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 education and um, and so for edtech it's the same. It's really about what about the needs of a certain community, of a certain classroom, or or a village or city. But it's it's deeply local. Yeah. So ten countries. I'm 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 sure you had some experiences that were super unique and you couldn't find elsewhere. What were some of the aha moments or what the heck moments that you, it totally uh, blew you away in, in terms of culture or behavior? I don't know. Yeah, I would cite a two. So one is uh, in New Zealand. I really loved um, New Zealand and, and they're, they, they they really have this um, entrepreneurial and innovative mindset, you know, and it's at all levels. It's at the ministry level. It's at the classroom level. They really want to innovate, to experiment. And I didn't find that culture elsewhere. And that was really, really interesting. So I really loved one school there. It's like a cluster of schools called the Manaya Kanadi schools. And they, they use technology in a way that I found really like intelligent 
And I'm really for use of technology that is intelligent, that is like not just technology for technology, but technology should serve something bigger, should serve a pedagogy, should serve like a change of mindset, a change of paradigm. And then there they, they created a, a pedagogy called the Learn, Create, Share framework. Learn because they have, it was a K-8 school, so like a primary school. So yeah, kids have to learn how to read, how to count, uh, how to speak. It's super important. But they also have to create. They have to be like creative and they have to... Um to really make their learning like visible and make their learning uh, uh, like something concrete. So they have to create like a song or a video clip or, you know, a poem, a text about what they learn. And that's how they are assessed. So that's also how, you know, they are they are assessed. And that's, that, that's what I found really interesting. And I was there when they did something on Nelson Mandela and I followed the group that did a rap song about him. So they really wanted to dig deeper into, into Nelson Mandela and to see what he did to, to nurture the song. So they learned without knowing that they, they were learning. And that that's that's what's extraordinary because they really loved rap and they wanted to make this rap song and they really enjoyed it and they were active, you know, in their in their learning. Did they did they have something like reflection time on their learning experience? Like afterwards, yeah, that comes afterwards. That's the that's the share uh, the the share oh, part. Cool. So the third part is the share part where they really they have this moment of reflection and once per week they they have to write an article on their blog. So they all have a blog wow. um, cool. starting from the second grade where they write a lot about what they have been learning and this reflection, this critical, you know, thinking phase of, of, of reflecting about what I've been learning. It's really amazing. And 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 they they have a WordPress so they can they can see uh, from where in the world people read their blogs and how many cool. likes they have and it really motivated them even more to continue to learn to continue to share the learning and that's that has been like amazing i, I never i never been to to a school where kids were so happy to be there and uh, wow. so yeah that was like the wow moment completely wow moment <laughs> so Obviously, some of these uh, schools like this are born in an environment that nurtures these ideas. So you mentioned that you noticed a certain level of en entrepreneurial spirit at, you know, in all the organizations. Where is it coming from? Why it's that in New Zealand and not in other places? I think it's really linked again to culture, to history, you know, of this country. Mm. Uh, it's a really small country, so they, they always have to find new things to export, new things to innovate, because there are 4.5 million people there, so it's really small. And, uh, and yeah, and they have an excellent education system that they, that they exported, and now education is like an export, um, one of the one of the export um like um consulting services exactly or like and okay. they and they and they do a lot so that foreign students come to New Zealand to study and they have a thing called study New Zealand um, which which uh, does an amazing job uh, at bringing foreign people to New Zealand so that they can you know study there and and yes yeah, so they they are really amazing, and um, yeah, and this school was not a, not a wealthy school. It was a school uh, located in one of the most, uh, 
Yeah, it's in a, in a very poor area of Auckland, the um, the capital city, and uh, and yeah, and they did something extraordinary for the children, and um, yeah. Did you have kind of an experience on the opposite side? Yes, yes, that was my second <laughs> example, <laughs> my second wow moment. But on the other side, it was in 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 Korea, where I was really deeply shocked about the, the education system there. Mm. And I they, they we perform quite well on this piece. Uh, yeah, that's that's the problem. That's okay. the main problem because um, I mean Korea. We went to Korea because Korea is like te the technology hub in Asia, and mm. you know the Samsung. The, so we really wanted to see how technology was was doing in schools. We went there. And we were, I mean, I was completely shocked by the culture. So it's completely different, of course, from my culture. So um, I needed time to adapt. But it, about the, the school system, um, it's really old-fashioned. It's really about um, preparing kids to be the professional test takers, really. You have to perform, you have to be perfect at tests, you have to have the perfect grade, you have to be ranked very highly. And kids go to school after school, so they have after school that lasts for hours and they go home at midnight. So that's the, that's like the average time wow. when they go home because they always have to perform, to perform, to perform, but it's... They don't, they don't really develop skills that are transversal, that are, uh, that are skills of tomorrow, the collaboration, how to communicate, how to, uh, how to speak, how to, uh, think critically. It's really about taking tests and being the best. And they have a pressure that is put on them that is like tremendous, uh, pressure by peers, by parents, by the society. You have to perform and you have to perform at the, at this test that is uh, happening on 12th grade, like the last test, mm. like the baccalaureate there. And you, it's like... But you mentioned before that education is all about context. Yeah. Did you have a feeling that, although it's kind of sad and it's high pressure, that this is their culture and their yeah. context yeah, and, and they, they think it's good? Yeah, or? exactly. Okay. But that's what I think is uh, in this case... Um, I don't know. It's it's really bad. Of course, it, it, it completely fits with the culture there mm. because the companies only employ uh, kids that have been like the best at school. So the system is like built perfectly so that, you know, the, the, the society stays what it is. But I don't really think in the 21st century, those kids will be like, will, will or the society will, will, I mean, will be able to continue like that. Because uh, jobs of tomorrow, we we just don't know any. I mean, we, we, we don't know what's happening tomorrow. So mm. in the current system in Korea, it works. But I don't think that in 10 years, kids will be prepared to to be jobless or to be able to, to, to create their own jobs, to be entrepreneurial, to be creative, because they don't learn that at school, you know. And they it's not, it's not about that. So... Yeah, I, I really, I, I'm really interested to see like how it develops, you know, in Korea. Mm. But yeah, you, you basically made a perfect switch to to the next uh, topic, which is uh, your current work and and what's going on to happen next with uh, specifically with edtech. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned 21st century skills and the collaboration and the the ability to work together. So. What is EdTech 
from from your point of view after all these uh, visits and and mm -hmm. talking to people to me a tech is really like a, a tool an instrument to enable people to learn more efficiently uh, more on a more personalized way and uh, for teachers to to really teach um on a different way and it's really to me it it should really like serve a pedagogy an active pedagogy because with with technology you can completely change the way we teach change the way the teachers and the learners are communicating change the way you are learning mathematics for example you could learn on a completely personalized way uh, thanks to algorithm and, and ai so i really think you should we should we should take this into account and not say okay we're doing tech just to do tech but really have like a strategy a pedagogical strategy behind a tech That, that's interesting. So there, there are two questions um, out of this. First, uh, I was at the at the startup VC event the other day, which happened at Cree, and there was a, the lady from uh, EduCapital. Mm -hmm. And one of the debate uh, questions was that there is a lot of hype around uh, edtech, which usually it's either engineers or some business people with little science behind and they just want to basically digitize content um, and it's not much, you know, study and science. On the other hand, the, the science people have a lot of papers and observation on like either sociology or uh, it's cognitive science, but no capacity to build tools and experiment. So where do you find the 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 golden middle like um that's a very good question that's what i'm trying to do with learn space i'm really trying to put those business people and engineers in contact with researchers with teachers because they know what's happening in schools they know what the kids need and the researchers know how the brain functions how we learn best so it's really about creating links between those three um so that they can work together uh, towards like a common goal, you know. And it's, I really, really believe in interdisciplinarity in education and in ed tech because we need, we need what, what, what researchers can, can bring and we need like the point of view of teachers. And of course we need uh, people that are, that are capable of, you know, um, of building, building new ventures in, in that space. So, It's really a combination of three that is complicated to find, but I really think it's necessary to build like su successful startups in edtech. Mm. So diving more into the future edtech skills and education in general, um, I would love to link that to learn space. So mm -hmm. what what is it that you build now? Can you like <laughs> yeah. pitch it? <laughs> yeah, sure. So we have three main uh, goals. So the first one is, as I said, to break silos and to make like entrepreneurs researchers and teachers work together towards a common cool. goal that's like the first thing it's like non-for-profit we're we're doing lots of hackathons where the three of them are reunited in one weekend and you know they build things together we do conferences workshops after works recently you had a yes, conference right exactly um, yeah future edu future okay. edu how was it It was amazing. 
It was really amazing. I mean, I wanted to completely change the conference setting. You know, I didn't want people to sit and people to talk on a stage. I really wanted to be as interactive possible. And, <laughs> and it was really amazing. We experimented lots of different formats and, and people were, were happy. So, so yeah, it was great. And then we did a hackathon also um, with mentors from the research um, field, cool. from, from, the, from the teaching field and uh, from uh, the entrepreneurial field. So yeah, it was really, uh, to me, it was a success. And so that's the first point. Future EDU is also like included in that first thing. The okay. second one is we do consulting for companies, um, big, small, non-for-profit, for-profits, um, about anything. People come to us and say, okay, I need a strategy for my tech company to go abroad. I need uh, I need uh, you to, to write me a short report on what's going on in that country. So it's really about what the needs of the of the market. And the third part is to continue the EdTech World Tour inside of LearnSpace. So it's really about continuing to travel the world. So I'm I'm leaving on a trip in uh, three weeks. Cool. Where? Yeah, I'm going to uh, to discover Europe, the European EdTech ecosystem. So Finland, Denmark, Estonia, Germany, Spain, the UK, um, and um, and yeah, and discover a bit more about what's happening in all those countries. So that's the third part. It's like a think tank. I think we're going to continue to write a lot about what we see. Maybe do a short documentary or something, so that cool. it's, it becomes really, you know, like it becomes documented because I really want to share those uh, international experiences. And I think it's super important to have like an eye on what's happening outside of, of France. So, so the third part. Would you describe it more like research or storytelling? Yes, or? yes, I think so. Research, I don't know because we don't we are, we are not researchers, but um, but yes, storytelling, exploration, yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, and out of you know the three domains, which one is like the driver of uh, learn space? Like, which one would you? I think it's the first one, the okay. really the, the first one about uh, interdisciplinarity, about breaking silos, about uh, make uh, I mean bringing people together, connect them, make them uh, work together, and accelerate also projects. So I'm now thinking about creating like an incubator and an incubator that for for really early stage at tech startups. Um, and I will uh, start to work on that just after my trip. So it's going to be launched like in fall. Um, cool. Here in Paris. Yeah, here in Paris. I want to experiment a, a, a new a new format, a new incuba incubation format. So, so yeah. it it will not be based on taking shares and investing. No, a bit. no, okay. no, 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 no. Not for the, the first, way. no, for the first one, no. Maybe the second one. It depends how I I can finance it. If I can find companies that completely finance it, I don't really need uh, to to nice. to to take shares or, or money, and that's that's the goal. I really want to find sponsors for for that. Yeah. So you probably, uh, I'll, I'll share a compliment with you. Uh, you're probably one of the most knowledgeable person I met in terms of uh, education context. And you've seen so many countries and you looked at so many um, systems. I, I can't resist and, and, and ask you, what do you think it's going to happen next in terms of uh, education? So, and I, I'll give a bit of the context. So, um, 
education as we have now is mostly an industry. So preparing talent for the industry. You have some skills, you go on the market, you put them, and that's a way for you to get some money and have a good life, pay your bills. When we have AI taking over some industries and the the, the future of work reshaping its its structure, there is a risk that we kind of unlink or at least change a bit um, the structure of the workforce or employment. So why else do you get education? So it's kind of an ideology or philosophical mm-hmm, topic, sure. but why, if, if you look, you know, maybe 50 years in the future, why do we need education and, and how it's going to look just an exercise of mm-hmm. imagination? So first, uh, what you, what you, what you just mentioned, like preparing, uh, uh, kids and adults to to for for, for industry for, to me it's instruction it's not education mm. so we really have to make a difference between how we instruct people so what we concretely learn at school or at university yes it's to prepare us to have a job but education is more i mean it's much broader it's about what you learn about yourself what you learn from your parents what you learn in the world so it's it's really much broader and i think if we talk about instruction um i don't think it will really have makes make sense to continue to instruct people to to you know to do this or this job um in the era of uh, of ai i think it doesn't make sense anymore but that's a good news because we can then concentrate on learning what really matters to us, what really deeply motivates us. Um, And I think that's going to make a huge change because if you ask a kid today, I mean, some schools do, like you have democratic schools that just ask kids, what do you want to learn today? What do you want to do? Mm. Uh, and And you don't have any curriculum, you don't have anything. It's just about your deeply intrinsic motivation about learning and that's like the most beautiful thing if you can do that anytime everywhere that's amazing and i think that's where we're going i i I think in a couple of decades uh it's totally feasible and doable but for example my own story is that I, i i come from eastern europe and a system where looking at my parents everything was secured for them at till some point when the soviet union collapsed they were sure they were getting a job. They didn't need to care about things. Everything was kind of planned. Yes, there was no free speech and stuff, but they everything was sorted for them. And suddenly they needed to figure things out. And now we we move even further where we tell kids or young people, hey, you have the freedom to decide whatever um, you want to do and to learn. And it's um, the issue is that at home and in your family, you're, you have certain values and certain ways you're educated. And then suddenly the market changes, the economy changes, and, and you are told that you should, you know, build your own life and have the freedom to learn. And maybe at some for some people to totally reshape their career at 35, 45. So it's, it's really challenging when you can are given all the tools, but you don't really know what you want and where you want to go and so on. So mm-hmm. we discussed also in the, the last episode with Robin that it's it's really, it's a beautiful idea to say that, hey, everyone is has a democratic education, people decide what they want, but a lot of people 
at least short term, um, struggle with this idea because they don't know. Everything was kind of built for them. Mm -hmm. They were taught that this is the economy, this is how you get a job, this is how the mm -hmm. system works. And suddenly the system changes mm -hmm. and they are asked uh, who they are, uh, what's their dream or the why in their life. Mm -hmm. And they're like confused. It's I like completely agree because, you know, we put them in, into frameworks, you know, we, we put them into um, different uh, baskets. And of course, it's really hard to get out of the system just like, you know, uh, uh, overnight and, and, and say, OK, now you you just you just you're free so of course it takes time and the founder of one of the democratic schools in paris will tell you that the kids that come to his school after being in another like public traditional mm. school struggle a lot but it takes time and every one of us have ha has like this 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 thing uh, this this motivation it we just need to reactivate like the curiosity that we have inside um the the the, the lust uh, for learning that we all have it just takes time i agree it doesn't happen overnight and it really it's it's a it's a matter of time and a matter of of uh, of um of you know like of uh, like i don't know <laughs> like it's a matter of time <laughs> mostly so that was, I guess, my, my next question also related to this kind of what conditions uh, do we need for a major shift uh, in, in national education, like in every country where we really give the, the tools in, in the hands of the learners, the students, but also the teachers to kind of co-create the education together. Of course, the the automation, the 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 situation in 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 the market in regards to employment will be a big influence. What else needs to happen so people can say, oh, okay, we cannot continue like this anymore? I think the shift cannot happen on national or international level. It mm. has to come from the from the bottom, from the local uh, perspective, you know, and and it it won't change if you have like a new law or a new regulation that comes and say, okay, we're going to change everything. It's not it's not feasible. So really, have to 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 start from the bottom and have a bottom up approach and give more power to teachers, uh, to schools, and and really make them more autonomous so that they can choose, they can have their little revolution at their local level. But I don't believe in a national or international revolution. So going kind of full circle back to you as a person working in, 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 in this industry, if I can call it, I'm not sure it's accurate to say education is an industry, but... Um, so what's next for you? What's what's your challenge? What drives you at the moment with Learn Space or, or as as an individual? Mm -hmm. Oh, I have many challenges. I have to fundraise uh, for my next uh, Europe tour, uh, so that's my my biggest preoccupation at the moment. And uh, and I really want to launch that um, that that incubation uh, project uh, for for early stage tech startups in in the fall. And yeah, um, and I, I'm looking for like, uh, 
an intern. So if you know someone... <laughs> what, what exactly would the intern um, do? So I'm looking for an intern starting from September uh, because before that I'm, I'm on a tour so I, I can't mm. really take care of him or her. Um, but uh, yeah, and helping me define and build that, uh, that accelerator project, that incubator project. Cool. So, so yeah. Cool. And and the next questions w uh, will be kind of a fire chat, so quick uh, Q and A. What are some of the the books or the people who really inspired your your journey and what you do today? A lot, a lot. Because I I mean for people I mean all the people, all the innovators that I've met across the globe are all a source of inspiration. And this, 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 uh, uh, this guy from, from the schools in, in, uh, in New Zealand, the, the, the school founder, uh, is an inspiration. The, the entrepreneur in Chile uh, is an inspiration. So all the people that I met, uh, are inspirations and, um, so it's hard to, to, to say just one name or two. It's really about, they, they brought me a lot, a lot, just in sharing their, their, their story, sharing who they are. It's, it's just amazing. Mm. And in terms of books or... Books, I, I read a book uh, that, that really helps me, but it's really on a, per, on a personal side uh, about like how to approach others. It's, um, so it's, it's called Ego is the Enemy from Ryan Holiday. I really love this book because it really reminds you how much you need to stop to talk and really you make things happen, you know, and, and stop being focused on yourself and on the ego and, and just go and, and do things without searching for recognition or, and it's, it really impacted me a lot. Uh, so, so yeah, I really recommend it to everyone, every entrepreneur, every, everyone, actually, everyone, <laughs> <laughs> everyone has an ego. So yeah. I'm, I'm, um, I recall now that I, uh, followed Tim Ferriss show mm -hmm. and the book was mentioned a lot on the show like a lot of people who we describe as successful mention mentioned the book so it's it's okay. really cool um here's a question that I I put at the end to every episode imagine you have the the power the supreme power of uh, dictatorship to take all the advertising space in the morning like all over the world and place there a message a quote like every billboard every newspaper every <laughs> facebook ad like everything that is advertising you own it one morning and 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 you have like a campaign or a message oh that's so hard i have so many messages to transmit i mean i would i mean it's super cheesy but i would say um that I mean, it's super hard. It's a super <laughs> hard question. I don't know if I will t if I would talk about education and how important it is to learn from each other, to always learn and never stop learning, because that's like a message that I have. But it's also about love, about you know why why just we just don't um, love enough, you know, and and everything that is happening around the world is like just a, a sign that we don't love enough and we hate too much, you know? So uh, it's really about, yeah, hate in the sense that, yeah, I mean, 
to me, it's um, if you're in the, the perspective where you say, okay, I love everyone, and and I, I I'm really in this in this uh, effort of going to another person and 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 making the effort of being positive and loving and it, on the contrary people are tend to be much more centered on themselves and saying okay this person did did me wrong and and so i think it would be a message of love okay cool and the last the very last question which is not a question it's just an open stage for you to share a message. Imagine in front of you is, is an audience of enthusiastic, young and old people who uh, want to do something either about education or in general, just follow their passion or interest. And, and you are on a stage and you have a message to share. And on that, we, we close the episode number six. <laughs> Never stop believing in yourself. And never stop uh, uh, doing, you know, uh, like be a doer, a maker. And if you have an idea, if you want to change things, just experiment, do it, and then you will see if it works or not. But always be in that in that in that in that perspective of of doing things and and not thinking too much. And um, and yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for your time, Thank Svenja. You. And, um, the episode will be published in a couple of days, uh, okay. iTunes, SoundCloud, and all the platforms. Nice. And I hope uh, some people get to find it useful and, and uh, draw inspiration from your story and, and your project. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Cool. <laughs>